Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 517 of the JV Club with my fabulous guest, Kendra James. Kendra is the producer of uh, the very fabulous podcast, Love It or Leave It, but is also just an amazing writer and all-around fabulous human being, hence my use of the word fabulous three times in 18 seconds. Anyway, I know you're going to love this episode. Um, I hope everybody's doing great. I am so excited to be heading over to Atlanta for Momocon. I will be in Atlanta this uh, upcoming weekend, the 25th, 26th, 27th, I believe it is. And so if you were around, come say hello. There are going to be a bunch of other amazing people there, including a ton of Avatar, the last Airbender actor. So it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a family reunion. Okay, so without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Kendra, who again is fabulous. Okay, so I guess we don't have to continue talking about green flies, but there's something very reassuring about <laughs> knowing that immediately after I said something, not only have you had personal experience, but also they're going to be done, so. <laughs> yeah, and now they're going to be all over, well, like truly all over my TikTok. It's yeah. going to be Beyonce and drain flies. Yes, yes. <laughs> Beyonce and drain flies. Please let her do a video that incorporates some kind of cool swarm <laughs> that makes a neat shape. I guess you would use bees if you were going to do that. I guess you would use bees in that context. That probably makes more sense. Um, Well, I am so excited to have you on. I will say that, uh, and I knew this was going to happen because I am am aware of you and your many uh, jobs and fine work, uh, not the least of which is as an author. Um, It's like, it's funny because when I had and I am name dropping, but only because I actually have to, when I had Tegan and Sarah on, it was a similar uh, quandary where I was like, you know, most of the time when I have people on, it's exciting for them to talk about their teenage years because it's not something they ever get asked about because I'm not asking oh. about the current movie that they're shooting or whatever. And then I have someone like you or them who are like talking about their show, high school, and their upcoming graphic novel, <laughs> junior high. And I was like, <laughs> and then I, and I, I'm sort of glad that was recent enough that I was, cause I really was like, oh man, I hope Kendra's not like, you know, because even when we were talking to you on this uh, at the Spontourco show, you know, you're like you 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 you're you're tasked with having to be like, of course, this is all in my book. So no, 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 no. that's it's actually totally fine. I was literally just I'm here in Jersey City right now because before flying, I was like, well, it's my high school's alumni weekend, and I can't not go to the first in-person alumni weekend since right. the book has come out because that would be like bitch shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, um, so I'm like raring to go. Okay, great. Wait, so did you yeah. just already do it? You just did it? I went on Saturday. And yeah. it was the first yeah. time that you'd seen some of the alumni since the book? Yeah, because of COVID. Because that was last um, year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it came out in June of 2020 and they this is the first one this is the since. the first one so since I was then. like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how was that? Were had people were there people there who had read it and were like wanted to talk about it? Yeah. A lot of people were there. Yeah. And just to put it into context for folks, this is there is this is an exploration of many things, but not the least of which is including this experience of being at Taft at a boarding school, being one of a handful of black women and being a legacy and just the experience of that, which is which is both, I think, unique and not unique, um, which is one of the things that's special about 
about it. So it's not like you were just writing a fun memoir of like, and everything was perfect. So right. bye. <laughs> so what was that? What was it like talking to people after? It was really interesting. So to back up, one of the other reasons that I went was because our head of school, um, who had been the head of school since 2001, and I was there when he was sort of like, when the power transferred over, so to say, um, he's retiring this year. And so I had seen him at like this get together in LA when a when a head of school from a school like Taft retires, they kind of go on like a world tour. Wow. Yeah, they just stop in okay. truly like every major city around the world. Alumni wow. come to some house or some place and they host like a gathering. Um, so I had gone to that one in Manhattan Beach a few weeks ago. So I had seen him and like we, he had written me like a very, very kind letter about the book a few months after it came out. So like I sort of knew his response a little bit. But this is the first time this past weekend where I was seeing like people on us. Right. Yeah. And the response was like very interesting. I think and it, it kind of they all kind of like paired into the responses that I'd already gotten, which were like, okay very genuine thankful responses from a lot of students of color who were like thank you so much for just like putting this experience of what it is like to be here on paper thank you for like making it something that now just exists it's out there yeah and then and i think this was heightened this weekend because um the student musical that was going on during alumni weekend was cabaret (laughs) yeah so i went and watched a bunch of high schoolers do cabaret and I will say that, like, at the end of the performance, I was saying to one of the advisors, I was like, they did the whole thing in German accents. And I was like, these German accents were astoundingly good for a bunch of, like, 14 to 17-year-olds. And she was like, oh, well, of course, we hired a dialect coach. <laughs> and that just, like, gives you an idea okay. of um, <laughs> what these schools are like and, like, the yeah. resources that you get. Yeah. Yep. So um, I'm sitting there watching the show and they didn't censor, like to their credit, they didn't censor anything. The whole show was in there, like down to the the number about where they, it's a sort of an allegory for dating a Jewish woman and she's in a gorilla suit and like the whole, everything was in there. Yeah. And one of the responses that I had gotten when the book first came out from a bunch of students were from white students who were like, hey, we understand, like, I understand that this experience isn't exactly the same, but I wanted to say thank you for writing this because as a Jewish student at Taft, I also like felt very out of place. And like Taft is not a Christian school by, you know, by trade, but a lot of the the trappings that are engaged in do have like a very, you know, Christian background as many things do in America. And so for me, I had not actually ever considered that perspective. And I think that that was kind of like the very nice thing about writing a memoir. It's like, you're putting your perspective out there, but then hopefully you are getting something back like that in return and you in turn are like learning yeah. about someone else Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Well, it's funny you would bring that up too because, um, and I don't want to scoop her, but this did happen at a at a public place. It just isn't <laughs> fully out in the open, but I was just with um, Cameron Esposito on Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday. She told the people that I was with a story about Boston University and receiving she was just brought in to receive like you know an achievement award which turned out to be this giant golden eagle and (laughs) she like she was like well I guess I have to tell the truth about my experience at this university oh oh, yeah also very catholic very catholic and so and I'm really hoping that I'm like you have to put this out in the world because she was like the people who know about this are a handful of friends and the people who were there 
But I was like, oh, I, you know, not to make you like the queer woman, it's it's her responsibility to get it out into the world because I don't like throwing that on people Mm -hmm. because I don't like it being thrown on me, except for I always feel like it's true. And (laughs) you know what I mean? So then you're like, ah, fuck it. Okay. One of the things that she talked about was her experience of being queer there and feeling like it was a very dangerous thing. And, you know, essentially saying, like, I appreciate this award, but it's not an apology. And, you know, and so I so thinking about that, too, like I'm wondering if there were any queer students who also, you know, read your book and were like, okay, so there are all these different ways of feeling othered or being other um, in these very just very sort of I want to say exclusive experiences. But in this experience that like for, you know, um, public school kid in (laughs) Arizona, every time I talk to someone who goes to a boarding high school, I'm like, do they still call it high school? (laughs) Like it sounds so different we use like so many weird different like terms too like there's a whole my book has a literally has a glossary in it I know you (laughs) we did not use normal terms but no it's it is true like those we I can count on less than five fingers the number of uh queer kids that I knew at all while I was at Taft and that's not to say that they're not queer now but like the kids who who were out at the time one of them was my best friend and she came out in the fall of our senior year. She came out actually in front of the school at a morning meeting. And then there was one other kid, a boy uh, who graduated. I think he was a senior when I was a sophomore and I did not realize that he was gay, but looking back, like he and I, we used to hang in like the admissions lounge together, like drinking tea Uh and just like talking about weird stuff. And I was like, looking back, I was like, no, that, that was that friendship. Yep. That's exactly, (laughs) that's exactly what that was. But we didn't even have like, there was no queer, like gay alliance, I guess it would have been called back then. Like there was, we didn't have any of those. And now um, this weekend, in addition to being two student of color, well, there was a student of color and alumni gathering in the morning. And then there was an alumni of color gathering in the afternoon. And then there was also an LGBTQIA gathering at some point. And that like, that we did not have that when I was there at all. So that's like a little bit of progress. We obviously things are still not perfect, but it was yeah. wild to just like see that that was happening and they're doing gender neutral housing which is okay truly like a crazy and let me put it this way they are actually of their peer schools they're like behind in that other schools have uh-huh. had it for years but the fact that that's yeah. even happening is crazy it's difficult because i keep making references or wanting to make references to things that people who are listening to this who may not have read your book will <laughs> need more context for but how much were you prepared for like what it was going to be like before you went i knew i was very very familiar with the school because so and where is taft yeah. see this is my problem this is the problem <laughs> No, okay, so yeah, let's back up. So um, Taft, it's a, Taft is a, co, a co-ed boarding school in Watertown, Connecticut, which is about like 90 to, minutes to two hours outside of New York City. And in Connecticut, probably the closest big city is New Haven, I would say. Um, yeah. And so it is a, it's a small school in this very small town, uh, Watertown, where if you removed, or at least when I was there, like, if you took Taft out of that town, the economy would collapse. Like that's right. sort of like that. That's just how it is. The school's about like it has about 540 kids, I think, and it's like probably 400 of those are boarding, and then the rest are day are day students. Maybe even less day students than that. Um, and the yeah. whole thing about it is like we never admit more kids than can fit in the chairs in the main auditorium. Like that is the yeah. number that can come. So. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so it's been around since 1890, and it's one of the sort of old, it's in the same league as like Andover, St. Paul's, all those other schools that you you might have heard of. The only reason I went there is because my dad went there in 19, he graduated in 1974, and he was also a trustee at one point. And so the thing that was like kind of unique about me being there, aside from just being a Black girl student, um, was the fact that I was actually the first Black American legacy to graduate from the school. So the school's been around since 1890, and I graduated Mm -hmm. in 2006. Uh, So, you know, it took some time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, that and like, I remember reading too that um, part of like some of that was, it seemed, if I recall correctly, that there could have been more, but yep. there were parents who were like, I actively choose not to send my child of color to this school for XYZ reasons. Yeah. Um, yep. And I, it, I think part of it is like, for some people is that because they didn't start admitting black students until the 1950s. So we were already at a little bit of a deficit there. And then, I mean, you go to a school like this and you're one of the only ones in this sort of sea of whiteness, like your experience definitely is going to vary. And I think that, you know, if you don't have a great experience at the school, why are you going to send your kid there to repeat it? And you see that in the in the number of legacy kids who go there who are legacy kids of color, but also in the number of us who come back like on weekends, like alumni weekend, this was actually, this weekend was the most people of color I've ever seen come back. And shockingly, the most black men I've ever seen come back. Interesting. What do you think that's about? Do you think that's post pandemic, like, like kind of reaching back out further back, you know, like understanding the value of, 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 closeness are you like what do you yeah think I think well I think 2020 had a lot to do with it but I don't think it was the pandemic I do think I think it was June of 2020 and the George Floyd moment that yeah. Taft had one of those moments and most of the boarding and um sort of fancy private schools around the country had this sort of moment of reckoning where students were posting some anonymously some not anonymously posting incidents that had happened to them while they were on these campuses um kind of forcing the schools to finally confront a lot of what was going on um and i think in that moment a lot of us were like okay if we can if we are able to mentally come back to these places then we really should put in that effort because like one of the things that i realized and it's almost like shameful that it took me this long to realize it until i was like deeply into writing this book i realized that like for a lot of people like these schools are a place of deep trauma And so asking people to come back to these schools is asking them to like re-traumatize themselves. Yes, 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 yes. And I I truly like didn't really have a grasp of that until June of 2020. And until I was, until these Instagram accounts, they were called Black at, and then just name of school there. And until those accounts started popping up, I really did not understand the full depth of like what was going on and that it wasn't just, my story was not like, a unique or singular story. Yeah. Well, so that's so funny. I mean, the reason that I assumed it wasn't to do with Black Lives Matter is the exact <laughs> reason that it w- that it turned out to be. Yeah. Because that, in my mind, I was like, I mean, obviously, like, you wouldn't go back if you had a bad experience. You know what I mean? So I was, like, imagining the trauma of that and now understanding differently that it's, like, not in spite of... But it is a bit in spite of yet also because of. It's, like, both and, right? Yeah. I mean, that's incredibly powerful and also, like... Are those decisions being made like on a in, a in a more like sort of micro level and it just sort of ends up feeling that way versus like, well, all of these friends talked and they because if it's multiple 
generation, you know, even not generations, but like different years, if there's this sort of like collective conscious of, you know, we kind of all independently realize like it's important to go back. We can do this. Like there's community. I think it was, I think it was like sort of separate groups, all like you're saying, having this collective thought because I knew some of the people who were going to be there based on just being involved in a bunch of alumni Zoom stuff that popped up after June of 2020. And I've been very, very active in those groups. So I was expecting to see people who had also been on those Zooms. And I saw those people. But then also what was really heartening was that like this, uh, the group of like black men who I saw, like were a lot from this like class of 2003, a bunch from like the class Mm -hmm. of like 2015, people who I had never seen on these Zooms at all. And a lot of them were saying like, for 20 for 2003 it was their 20th year reunion and a bunch of them were like we have not set foot on this campus since we graduated yeah um so it was it it was like very nice to see them all come back do I think that they're gonna like send their kids there not necessarily (laughs) but it was just nice to know that we're all like trying to put in the effort now to be visible for the students of color who are there and have to see like white people flood onto campus and not a lot of us Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. I'm glad you said that because nobody says that. Can I just say thank you to you for such a thoughtful interview? Oh my God, yeah. I think you nailed it. Bullseye. Interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. Listen to the Bullseye podcast only from NPR and Maximum Fun. So let's go back to the like, what did you expect? And did you have um, academic experiences leading up to that, that sort of prepared you on some level for, you know, this is the world that I'm entering into? Um, Not really. It's so my dad, like I said, he went there. And in because of that, and because the alumni culture is so big at Taft, like, I've been going up to that campus since I was like, two for alumni weekends. And it's funny, I I think about this, like my dad went to Taft and then he went to Brown. I've been to Taft so, so many times for alumni stuff. I've never been to Brown with him for alumni stuff. I've been to Brown for figure skating competitions for myself, (laughs) but he like has never gone back for that. And I think he like started the ultimate Frisbee team there or something. So like there's like stuff or was part of the first ultimate Frisbee team. Like there's stuff he could go back for, but he doesn't. So clearly like, Taft means a lot and Taft is like very special in that way and I was always told like from a young age like they didn't make it an expectation but like it was like this is a very important thing this is going to take you to that next step this is the place that you should be trying to go and this is where your academics should be leading you and so I was like I went to public school growing up I went I grew up in Maplewood New Jersey now is just the town that people know of as like when you get priced out of Brooklyn or when you can afford a house, but like you can't afford a brownstone, you go to Maplewood. So it's like, it's truly, I cannot afford a house now in the town that I grew up in. <laughs> so I, I had grown up there my whole life, went to public school my entire life in that town and went to school with the same people up until ninth grade. I did ninth grade at my public high school and then transferred. Oh, which is okay. I forgot that, which is also different. Obviously yes. that's like, that adds a whole new juicy layer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think like, Part of that was also because, like, since I had gone to school with the same people my whole life, it was like, well, I want that experience of, like, doing high school with, like, my nerdy friend. Like, we had all, like, envisioned what it was going to be like. Um, And I figured out pretty quickly that it, you know, it wasn't for me. That wasn't what I needed. Um, And and I did transfer out. But 
I, in public school, had been, like, a very good student. Like, love taking a standardized test. To this day, love to take a standardized test. Um, Nothing makes me happier than a Scantron. (laughs) Um, So I did, yeah, I did really well on those. Like, literally, I took my LSATs for fun. I had no plans on being a lawyer. Uh, But... (laughs) I did really, really well in school, but when I got to Taft, like, it was a big adjustment to the point where I had already taken Algebra 1 at my public school. I had to take it again, 10th grade, because my public school, Algebra 1, was not as good as Algebra 1 at Taft, so I was behind. I immediately, like, just ditched math after that. I was like, this is, I cannot do this. Yeah, same. In terms of high school math, I have an Algebra 1 and then some of geometry education. I never took statistics, never took trig or, but that was like kind of the, honestly, like that's the beauty of independent school because instead of doing that, I took screenwriting. (laughs) Yeah. There's a certain math to uh, (laughs) the way the, uh... yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, I was like prepared to a point, but it definitely like, it took me a while to catch up and I was never, I was never the student at Taft that I was in my public school at all. Um, but then I got yeah. to college and I was a great student. So like there was a level of preparedness that that was gained from going to Taft that I definitely would not have had if I had gone to public school the whole way through. And and as far as the sort of so- social climate, um, you definitely it doesn't sound like you were coming in armed with the same taste as no <laughs> <laughs> many of the young people who were no who were there my closest group of friends from middle school into the ninth grade we were all hardcore nerds like my friends were the type of people where they loved anime they loved anime so deeply i to this day like i can appreciate a miyazaki movie I, and like i understand that they're beautiful and and gorgeous and that's about as far as I can go. I never, I used to have to pretend to like anime so that my friends would think I was cool, which like tells uh-huh. <laughs> Which by the way, that's a huge job because yeah. anime goes on forever. Like you mm-hmm. could you could go into anime and never watch anything else again and never run out of stuff to watch. And that was terrible for me. They lo- like, and God bless them. Like they loved Dragon Ball Z. They loved Gundam Wing. They were watching Evangelion back then. And I would try to sit through this stuff and I was just like, I hate I I truly hate this, but it was necessary in order to hang out with them. And the benefit was like, in addition to anime, it's like, we were also all all into X-Men. We wrote Harry Potter fan fiction. Like we were doing all this other stuff. It was just that I had to sort of bend a little bit to get into the whole anime (laughs) thing. (laughs) But so like at, we, we were like, uh, we were very uncool. We had these, um, do you remember the marble, the sort of marble colored notebooks? Yeah. Compo- huh? Composition notebooks. The composition book. Yes. Yeah. So we we had composition notebooks. Instead of using them to take notes, we would literally like I used to get in trouble for wasting all my parents' printer ink because we would print out pictures of like hot guys and also cartoon characters that we thought were hot. Mm-hmm. We would put them in the composition notebooks and then like pass notes to each other in them, like slam books. Except it was like slam books for porn. Um, (laughs) truly like my friends would like draw out these like intricate sex scenes, like between like themselves and like Legolas. Like it was, it, so that was the kind of stuff we were doing. Got it. That was not the kind of stuff that my roommate was doing at Taft. She thought like the fact that I like had comic books to my mailbox was very, very strange. Uh Yeah. Like social scene was completely different, but 
when I got my roommate letter, like, because I loved Harry Potter so much and because I loved boarding school literature, like, I really, really thought that me and this roommate were going to be best, best, best friends. Oh, my God. That's so true. I'm trying to, yeah. God, I'm trying to think (laughs) of, like, I was just trying to think, like, how, what books was I reading that I would have thought like that that actually could have been a, a potential reality for me like to to actually because that again that seems so it almost seems like fantasy just to be going to a boarding school at all for me yeah. in my with my upper and so those things stayed so removed so when I think about the idea of like being able to live out an actual Harry Potter moment <laughs> like that being so tantalizingly close of course I would project certain expectations onto that absolutely so I that was what I thought like that's what I thought I was gonna get and they like this is a a, the era of landlines so they gave us each other's landline phone number and we called each other over the summer and I just remember our first conversation she was like talking about she was talking about like Hall and Oates for a very very long time yeah (laughs) like I, I that is like one detail that I remember so specifically I mean, that doesn't sound that hip either. No, but it was like, it wasn't hip, but it was like white in a way that like oh, yeah. fit in. Like, uh, Excuse me, they are the white men of soul, just like a few <laughs> other white men of soul right. I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> no, and it, let me oh, tell no. you, now, love me some hollow notes. Like, it's so funny because yeah. like all the stuff that I was introduced to at half, like fish. I love fish now. I love the Grateful Dead. Truly... This stuff that I was like, oh, what is this? Now I love it. But at the time, yeah. I was just like, what is what is going on? And she kept talking uh-huh. about it. And I I just wanted to talk about, like, Charmed. Um, but right. she was not watching Which, that. Which, again, just, that doesn't seem like that big of a stretch. Like, right. that's a, that seems, you know, and I am I guess that's my bubble of, like, right. just a bunch of artistic weirdos. Well, you were cool. But that, to me, that's, like, pretty cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> Charmed is extremely cool. What do you... Yeah. And so I got off that call and I was like, okay, whatever. It's a phone call. We're going to fix this when we, like, get together. Uh-huh. But, like, that never happened. And, like, even my mom and her mom, when we were, like, moving in, my mom even thought that she was, like, weird. Because I think there was, like, some question about, like, either painting the room or, or, like, I think she asked my mom, like, oh, what color are we going to paint this? Like, are we getting rugs? Like, are we doing decorations? Like, basically spending all of this extra money that my parents were just, like, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not doing any of this. She also, like, she was trying to, like, get a snack fridge or something. Like, some crazy stuff was going on. Um yeah. But I was just she wanted of, to trick out her. She wanted to trick it out. Yeah, she wanted to trick it out exactly. And so yeah. we we moved. We get there and like we kept trying, but it just wasn't working. Um, and then like she said some stuff to me, which I won't fully spoil what ends up happening because I do like you should go out and read the book. I'm, I have you to say that, of course, or listen to it. Or, yeah, yes. but but and as much as we wish would be a certain person's voice, a certain person. <laughs> understood that it pays five dollars yes. to, to read your own audiobook so oh boy and what wasn't that a shocking reality to find out um <laughs> and they want you to take like two weeks off of work to do it uh couldn't yeah. couldn't be couldn't be me um yeah. but so yeah basically um in not too many words like she said some things that were pretty insensitive and oh, no. uh I then like was like okay we have to do something about this and so I used some creative um imaginative ways of getting rid of her 
things that probably do circle back to my love of Charmed at the time. And <laughs> so we made pretty quick work of her. Uh, she was no longer my roommate, I think, like, before Thanksgiving. Like, by the time we got to Thanksgiving break, this girl was no longer my roommate. And then by the time we left for Christmas break, she had actually left the school entirely. Um, oh, oh, and okay. Yeah. And then I found out, um, I found out later because there were like whispers around the school and I couldn't put this in the book because like you do this thing called a legal read when you write a memoir and like you can't oh, like sure. use real names and all of that stuff. And I won't use her real sure. name here, but there were whispers going around and people were like, oh, did you hear that Kendra got rid of XYZ? I later find out that this girl, you know, the show The Gilded Age on HBO? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She is a direct descent. She is like, she inherited some of that money. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yes. She, okay. um, she current, she has never had a real job. Like, let's put it like that way. She sits yeah. on boards. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so there were like whispers, people like, oh, she got rid of that person. And at the time, like, I had no like sort of context for who this family was. Come to find out they are like a founding family of uh, modern industrial America. (laughs) So they don't need you to be talking about getting rid of one of the. Yeah, but like one of the blessed. Yeah, but also like she truly didn't need she she's going to be fine. Like I didn't feel bad about the fact that she left the school because I was like, this girl was going to be fine no matter what happened to her. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Okay, now let me just drill down because when you say we made quick work. Yeah. Who is we? So we was me, my best friend, who in the book, I call her Yara, and then another really close friend of ours. They were sort of the ones, because when I say insensitive comments, basically racist, right. she made racist comments. Yes. So my friends at the time, because like growing up where I did in Maplewood, very, very diverse community. And my dad and my mom, they were both very involved in like local politics, local activities. So my family was pretty well known and I yeah. was pretty well known. So I didn't, A, I never got into a lot of trouble because I knew it would instantly get back to them. Which, by the way, could also, if you're, if you have a different kind of upbringing and the same thing is true, it's like you could act out a lot because you wanted it to get yes. back to them. And my brother tried that way. Got it, <laughs> got, it got way. it, got it. Yeah, got my it. brother, my brother went that, that path. But I was more like, I didn't take a lot of risks, I would say. Because of that, I also didn't like face a lot. I never had challenges growing up, I would say, yeah. um, especially not a, cha- not a lot of challenges when it came to like race or like being, um, being singled out because of race, um, which is not to say it didn't happen, but it wasn't in ways that I was necessarily recognizing it as that because like, like I said, I'm a figure skater. So I was, and I was a team figure skater. So I was on the synchronized skating team. I was the only black girl on the synchronized skating team. It never really occurred to me that when we were like bulk ordering our costumes, the reason I, my costume looked weird on me is because we're bulk ordering it for white skin and no one wanted to pay extra to have the mesh changed out to be like darker skin tone. Whereas actually like now you will see like teams will do that. Like that's just standard practice now. Um, Yes, yes. So I experienced stuff like that, but because it wasn't like sort of, let's call it hard R racism, like, like N word hard R racism. I just like, didn't, I, I didn't really identify it as that. But so when this girl said some things to me at Taft and I told my friend, my other two black friends about it, they were instantly like, no, 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 that's racist. Like right. they, <laughs> they like instantly were like, just calling it out for what it is. And then be- yeah. because they were like, that's racist. I I'm thinking about, I know what racist is. I know what racism means at that time. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're saying something is racist, that means that it deserves sort of like a big response. 
And so right, right. I uh, I gave her a big response. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And yet, she's probably fine. Oh, she's absolutely fine. Point. And how does uh, romance factor into your experience at Taft? Zero. There was none. No. Um, <laughs> truly, like, was never, was absolutely never involved with anyone. And this was because, like, the the social structure of the campus, like, at the time, was very, very segregated. And also, it's very much a boys club. Um, and still mm. to this day, I would say is very, very boys clubby. Um, I was talking mm. to my mom yesterday, we were chatting about alumni weekend. And I pointed out that a lot of kids, actually, every kid from the class of 2008, it was their 15 year reunion, only one person showed up. And uh, that was actually a friend of mine. So I considered myself very lucky to see him. And my mom was like, yeah, they always have this thing over Mother's Day weekend. Always, 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 always. Mm. And it was like, I then I was like, oh, right. And like, if you're a class of 2008, you're like possibly having your first kid, like your first Mother's Day is possibly Absolutely. this weekend because we're all yes. of that age. And it's even just like little things like that, that's sort of like ID to you, like how much of a boys club this place is. Those two factors really played into it. We, it was so segregated that like I, in my class, I was one of, six black girls who graduated my year and there were four black boys and the way the social scene like worked at the time was like white kids did not date the black kids like they we barely socialized regularly dating was not an option and like you might get a white girl who would date a black guy but it would be kept very secret and it was very much like I'm sticking it to daddy. Like that was always like the impression right, that right. I got from it. So yeah. you were like shit out of luck. If you didn't like one of the other black guys in your class and you didn't like it, you just didn't really have any options. So because of that, yeah, like I absolutely never really dated. Um, there is a story in, in the book about like one guy who was interested in me and I was not interested in him. And that turned badly really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was another it was another black kid and he like he essentially stalked me for the rest of the year oh. and no adult took it seriously which was also like just a sign of the times I would be like this guy keeps IMing me and all adults were just like he just likes you he's just you know he's just trying to like get your attention it's like now you'd be like oh this guy keeps DMing this girl like let's do something about that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I had one of those two where it was like this person keeps showing up to my house yeah. after classes every day. Oh, no. I had roommates. This was for me in college. And I mm -hmm. had roommates. And, like, they would, like, block the door. And the three of us would sort of talk to him for a little while. To, like, until sort of appease he went him. Away. So that, yeah. Because you're, like, afraid of, like, is this going to turn violent? So I have to appease yeah. him to the it point. Was, it was strange. It was a strange time because there is a lot of, like... It's funny when I think about people talking about, like, it was an innocent, more innocent time. Like, you think about it, you're like, that's not a great thing. Um, you know what I mean? Because it was yeah. like, we, you, 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 also, there's also this sort of, like, give everyone the benefit of the doubt thing, which is a charming idea. But, like, you know, I, yes, I, I think, yes, I was very uncomfortable. Like, I had a strange, weird feeling about it. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't have... Like, I didn't have anything to compare it to because no one really talked about that stuff necessarily yeah. unless it was like in the movies, you know. And so you're just like, well, I'm sure he just isn't getting it. Mm -hmm. But like, we didn't want to be mean. 
So right. then you're just having this weird conversation where like you're not letting a person in, but you're just like shooting the shit as well, if, and then that becomes the norm. Like, I guess he'll be back tomorrow because we keep kind of chatting with them for a few minutes. And <laughs> it's just like a strange, you create like a different, you know, you create a benefit of the doubt dynamic that also is keeping you safe on some level, but like you're not resolving anything, you know? Yeah. And if you were to tell anyone about that, it's, they're like, it it's becomes to like, some people it's like the equivalent of the boy in the class like pulling your pigtails it's like oh he's just trying to be friendly oh for sure well I also had a dreaded fear of anyone ever thinking I had any kind of ego at all like Mm. super self-deprecating so even just the idea of saying like I think someone likes me and is not giving up I in my mind I would play out the scenario of someone be like oh someone thinks she's really pretty or like you know what I mean just I was so terrified of like I never wanted anyone to think that I, you know, was like felt superior, arrogant or anything like that. And so there was, and part of that I think is female, but like just how we're conditioned, this sense of apology of like, I must have done something Mm -hmm. like that sort of, that sort of um, conversation you have with yourself. And yeah, like I, I definitely like, I was like, I don't like this. But then the other thing too was like, he was, um, he was a post-grad. So when you go to a boarding school, sometimes like, um, a, like a 20 year old might show up uh at in your classes uh-huh. because he has graduated from high school but uh-huh. he didn't get to like be he didn't get like drafted by the nhl maybe so uh-huh. instead of playing i don't know i don't know what you would do instead but instead of doing something else you go to an elite boarding school so that you can play hockey for another year improve okay i've never heard this before oh, okay yep seems so- like it could be an issue potentially yeah. so i i graduated there was a guy in my class who was like closer to 21 than not uh right. because he was playing hockey and meanwhile he's you know in class with a bunch of 17 18 year olds so that also like that is like that's a little extreme but you get like that dynamic too happening and this guy he was a pg he was actually there um the other reason pgs come the more um the more like valid reason I would say is that some kids sometimes kids come from another country where they finished high school mm-hmm. and they're going to college in America. So they do a PG year at a boarding school to sort of become acclimated to higher education okay. and living okay. in America. Um, and so this guy was more doing that, but he was still a creep. <laughs> so, <laughs> that didn't deter him from being a creep. <laughs> sure didn't. Um, but yeah. And so like he, and because he was black too, like, there's so few of us at these schools that like you never want to get someone else into trouble. And so you like, absolutely. You just kind of learn to like live with it. And then you're like, okay, well at least he's going to be graduating at the end of the year. And then like, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that were there a lot. I mean, you mentioned before the idea of being the, uh, the American legacy is so I assume that does, well, I guess I know this. I don't know. I'm assuming that there, that is the kind of school that people from elsewhere who can afford it want, want to send their kids who are not American to have like a great high school experience that is maybe an elevated version. Like you get to be in the United States and you're not like skimping on the education part because you can, you could be from another country and be like, well, if I send my child to an American school, they're going to be slumming it, yeah. <laughs> like education wise. Yeah, no, Um, the number, like the wealth, uh, like the, the sort of wealth that you would get from the international students does not even, the, 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 the richest American students that you would have at these schools don't even come close to touching the wealth that you were getting from a Korea, from a China, um, that, like some of the Eastern European kids even like just some of the the kids from the UK, like 
the if you're coming to a boarding school from another country you and and uh, and you're doing that like you know you're you're just there not for any like special circumstance like it's because you have more money than you or I could ever uh dream of <laughs> yeah god yeah there's just a lot going on there there's yeah. just a lot that's such a crazy yeah that's just a crazy confined world that I'm so glad that you wrote about <laughs> Again, not just because of that ex-personal experience you had, but just like interestingly sort of world building in the same way that you enjoyed world building with fictional characters. And yet (laughs) here you have your own experience of, you know, how do I tell this story? But it is it's this kind of very well developed world that has rules that exist really only because of all of these very specific variables that like go into making the recipe of this world you know oh yeah I mean that's why the book has like people are always asking me like why did you put a like glossary and like a fantasy map at the top of the book and I was like because this like you really I need to set a like I needed to set a stage and like establish that like as real as this is like this is truly like a country club for high school, like you for high schoolers. You need to be able to envision the scope of this. Um, yeah, I mean, even just being back there this weekend, I was taking pictures all over the place, and there's been like certain improvements made and stuff. And I was just like walking around, like, who needs, like, who truly needs? All, why do we have two ice rinks? Yeah, I just like I cannot, <laughs> I can't even begin when I think about going to a magnet public school for the performing arts and and doing our plays in the cafeteria that is so amazing oh, i'm sorry were you not hiring dialect coaches for your for your school plays like i went back to visit like 20 years later and was like oh they have a theater <laughs> oh the first show that i that i ever did stage crew for at school Christine Baranski like came and congratulated us afterwards because her daughter was the lead like that was truly it again otherworldly experiences oh oh it's time for a quick break I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Listen, you like podcasts, right? Sure you do. Don't try and lie to me. You're listening to one right now. So why not try a different one called R1, The Flophouse? Uh-huh. And on The Flophouse, we watch a movie and talk about it. And then sometimes we also do other stuff. It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not Our One, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. <laughs> I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse. A lot of correcting Dan. I got to get into this mash game with you. Okay. I got to tell you, I couldn't could not be less worried. Could <laughs> not be less worried about you having great answers. Uh, I am going to start with. I mean, I guess I need to start with diving into a book. You can go into a book. I'll give you a series of books, which okay. is kind of like wishing for more wishes, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, you can dive into uh, uh, the and just be in that world. You're not reliving the plot. You're just like having the adventure of being in that very specifically about world three okay and three of them because of the book we're gonna we're, because of my book we're going to go with harry potter immediately okay. i would then i would go with the louisa may alcott little series so everyone loves little women i'm more of a little men person because that like that was my favorite one as a kid because uh, it was about a boarding school and then 
What is another good one? Let me try to give like a non-historical thing. All I read as a child was historical fiction. You know what? Let's just go with my, one of my favorite, <laughs> this is so wild. One of my favorite books to reread is actually a biography of Jesse James by TJ Styles. I reread okay. it. I reread it probably once a year because it's incredibly well-written and he's one of my favorite historical figures. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Okay, well, and listen, I've got that. I've put down the world of Jesse James, but now I'm bringing up the you can have uh you know a conversation a lunch an afternoon a day or two with three historical figures <laughs> who do you, and maybe you meet in a sort of nebulous um alternate universe where time is not a thing so i don't know where you are it's not that they're coming to you and you're they're going to them it's like here we are in this like purgatory space <laughs> that's that sounds worse than i mean it that sounds worse than i mean it no Marie, okay who are they they're all gonna be like from kind of the same era um lena right. horn Gene Kelly, who is like my one of my favorite actors of all time. He's on my shower curtain. And historical figure, let's go. We're going to go with Vincent Minnelli, who directed my favorite movie of all time. Which is? Uh, the Bandwagon. Okay. All right. Because you know I got to go with three movies you can jump into whenever you want as well. Am I starting with The Bandwagon? Yeah, because it's great. No one, no one set dresses like Vincent Minnelli. His movies are beautiful. Great. Two more. Let's go with Dogma. That's my other favorite movie. Okay, I haven't seen that in a minute. I only saw it once. Well, it's impossible to find right now because yeah. um, Kev, a lot of Kevin Smith's movies, I think Dogma, Dogma might be the last one. Um, but all the movies up to that point were Miramax and Harvey Weinstein. And I believe that Weinstein literally still owns the rights. So that's why none of them have ever been put out on DVD again. I think he went wow. through like a whole thing trying to get the rights back and it just never happened. You have to fact check that one. But I, I think that is like yeah. what happened with that. Oh, man. Um, what a shit show. Yeah, no, truly. Because like, like literally holding like some of my favorite works hostage. I'm from New Jersey and Kevin Smith like meant the world to me growing up. Oh, sure. As a, as a fellow comic book nerd, I thought he was and the just, coolest. Yeah. <laughs> and what a weird... Ex Ugh. Just what a weird experience because he is so he is so unique and he is such a world builder and he is so like when you think about him and his work, the last thing you think is someone else owns it. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's it's, the it's, last thing you think. That's what I that's how I why I thought he was so cool. I was like, this is all him. He owns all of this. Yeah. Like for better or worse, he's like writing and directing. I thought that was yeah. the coolest thing. Oh, that's um, okay. Yeah. Bandwagon dogma. Got it. Um, three. Ooh, what is a final one? What else do I turn on all the time? Oh, my favorite laundry movie is The Lovely. <laughs> I then Kevin Klein. Love that classification more. Yeah, I um Kevin Klein and Ashley Judd. Anytime I have a lot of laundry to fold, I put that on. Great. I think there was a time where I was pretty sure I was going to marry Kevin Klein. Um, <laughs> And that time period was when I was like 10. So I don't know what that says. That's but... cool. I mean, Wild Wild West is another one of my favorite movies. And I thought he was very handsome in that in 1999. I just, you know, it was all about like, yeah, the funny, confident. And then, I mean, I think like seeing A Fish Called Wanda, like renting A Fish Called Wanda and being like, you know, the sort of like, oh, he's so like naughty. Like, <laughs> oh, he has such a libido, like sort of a child understanding of what sexy times is. Yes. Um, speaking of sexy times, and I don't know if just him being on your shower curtain is going to have anything to do with whether you choose him in real life, but three people, uh, characters, cartoons, whatever you want that you can have some romance or sexy times with. This is not someone I'm committing you to for a lifetime. Okay. So that helps you. 
Okay. I'm going to live dangerously and I'm going to go with Lestat de Lioncourt from Interview with the Vampire. I will take, you know what? And here's the thing. I will take either the the AMC version or the original Tom Cruise version. Again, just a very formative character of my youth. I read those books far too young. Great. I did too. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what character will I go with from there? Um, I had a huge thing for Captain Sisko. (laughs) Uh, from Star Trek Deep Space Nine when I was little. It was one of those, this is, and you know what, this is going to be twofold with my, with my next choice. I had this thing, I guess, where it was like, I did, like, I saw him kind of as like a father figure, but also like wanted to make out with him. It was very, very upsetting. And then that goes into my next choice, which was always, (laughs) so my favorite Jurassic Park movie is The Lost World. Okay. Part of that was because, so again, Jeff Goldblum, he has a black daughter in that movie. That's the one where the daughter like kicks the Velociraptor's ass with gymnastics. That really uh-huh. appealed to me as a kid. <laughs> Just like, I guess, as a figure skater, I thought that was very cool. Yep. Um, and so that was another movie where I was like, I was like, I want to be her. So I want him to be my father. But also I'm attracted to you and I want to kiss you. I really, really appreciate your transparency uh, in all of this because I feel like that was definitely going on for me as well. Like yeah. that's when I say, you, you hear it, when I say Kevin Klein, it's like, isn't he kind of more of a dad type? And you're like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes. Right. Because you, yes. you don't understand like what sexuality means then or truly like, and I can tell that when I'm looking back through those composition notebooks that I told you about, like looking at like what our idea of like being in love and like, having sex was is nothing compared to what I now understand. <laughs> I'm so curious if your friends who were into anime were also watching hentai and if that's why they have oh, like a strong, I can tell you they strong sense of how to, to depict, uh, depict anatomy and stuff. In the, um, uh, they, love scenes. Great. They absolutely were. <laughs> great. Uh, okay, great. Um, uh, next category, let's do three alternate universe careers and it can be a side hustle. It can be, I just want all the good stuff from this and I don't even want to think about the bad. Um, you know what I mean? I'm not, it's again, it's like, this is for you. This is for you. Not like you're now going to take on this, the weight of the world on your shoulders because you're this. Yes. Uh, so three alternate universe careers. Um, there's absolutely a world where I'm a costume designer. Um, I, that was like, that was what I wanted to do actually, like in all seriousness coming out of college. I, um, I thought that that was going to be the career. I actually interned with the New York, Gilbert and Sullivan players. Um, oh, cool. For, yeah, for two winters, um, I did costumes with them. And it was like a really good experience. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. But um, that is not what I ended up doing, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to, I wanted to get into set design. So you and I could have ended up working on a, yeah. in this alternate universe, we work on a show together. Yes. Um, where we're like, I need to coordinate with you because I'm, the, of, of course, this is a mid-century piece. So I'm going to be a lot of earth tones. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, it was like a a dream. I guess maybe I decided I didn't want to work that hard. I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's hard work. It's very hard work. It's hard work. Yeah. And then there's another alternate universe where I'm absolutely. I um. I worked in actual like independent school admissions for a pretty long time after I graduated. And there was a point where I was like looking at what I was doing, and I was like, I should be starting a consulting business on the side, which is just mm. a way a lot of people make a lot of money in New York mm-hmm. City. Um, just God, sure. pay parents paying you to like grease hands, fill out those forms, doing interview prep. You, it's It can be pretty lucrative. 
And I guess gets exploited uh, if you are a person in Hollywood who can fake SAT scores um, to find out. Oh, not even just the SAT scores. Um, there was a, when I was working at one school, there was definitely a family where they apply, they applied for financial aid. And I remember like looking at their address. I knew who they, like, I knew who they were. And I was like, I watched the show that you are a series lead on, on network television. But I, I remember, and I was like, I know. It's not a great look. No. And I was like, you're in like season, it was like in season four or five. So like it had been on, we're doing 23, yeah. 24 episodes a season. I know what a SAG yeah. minimum is. Uh, yeah. And I know you're making more than that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, sorry, buddy. I know too much. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's, Yeah. Wow, that's cojones. Okay. Um, All right. So I've got uh, the admissions consultant. I've got the costume designer. What's number three? Um, Number three. Um, Oh, my gosh. I don't... What else did I ever want to do? Oh, well, honestly, like, there's a... (laughs) There's a world where I'm not making that much money. uh, And I'm just performing on a Disney cruise ship um, on, on ice. I'm doing Disney on ice. On a oh, Disney cruise satisfying yeah. on ice. Very satisfying. I love it. <laughs> um, okay, three places in the world that we're going to give you uh, a potential vacation or just second home. It doesn't. It could be a hustle Ooh. bustle kind of place or workplace. Uh, but three places that we're going to be able and you can kind of teleport there. Okay. And this will be where your mansion, apartment, shack, or house ends up. Oh, okay. Um, let's do Charleston, South Carolina, um, a city I love. Right. Yeah. Um, I went there for the first time finally and was like, oh, this is very special. Yeah. Yes. It's very, a lot of bad history, but also just like really beautiful. Um, yeah. I think. Bad history in the South, you're saying? Oh, uh, yeah. I know. It's a shocker. Okay. <laughs> um, not a town, but somewhere on the Hudson uh, in like, you know, that area of New York. <laughs> Great. And Got then. It. Let's go. Let's let's like go spread our wings a little bit. I'd go back to London. Um, that's not really spreading my wings all that much. So I'm choosing some very familiar places, but they are places that I love. <laughs> I mean, I think that's great. Yeah. There's no there's no right or wrong. Okay, two more categories. Next category, I would like to do three. I would like to do three like buddies that you can sort of bring into your world from anywhere from history from fiction from tv from films from books uh let's let's bring you in three buddies three buddies the brandy cinderella i've spent a lot of time oh. i spent a lot of time with that movie um and i've spent yeah. a lot of time with her as a result i love her yeah that's one of the, i should have put that as one of my as one of my movies but we'll we'll include her here okay and dora from bewitched Oh my god, amazing. <gasps> no one has ever said this before. I'd st- I don't always do this category, but that is an amazing answer. It's like everything you want. It's like family member, your drag queen friend. Yep. <laughs> like, it has everything. It's just side eye and caftans, which I feel like would be really great for wherever we're going to be. <laughs> this is... And then very inspired choice. I have to say, I feel high off of this choice. This is very, very exciting. God, I hope you get her. Okay. Um, uh, what's number three? You know what? Let's just go with Beyonce. I'm seeing her soon. And right. I just feel like she'd open a lot of doors. Even if she's not fun to hang out with, I feel like nothing's being refused. We have a lot of options. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, you know, she had that amazing video where all of those little drain flies were swirling yes! around. <laughs> Can't remember if that was on mic or off. So that might not we'll make sense. We'll find out. Anyway. 
Yeah, we'll find out. What a fun mystery. Okay, and then for my final category, because you brought up costumes, I would like to give you the option of every type of clothing in this alternate universe is the same amount of comfort, and Mm. it is all comfortable. So, and wearing anything at any given time is appropriate. So three styles of wardrobe that we're going to equip you with that, you know, if you want to wear an 18th century gown (laughs) to the movies... It'll be like you're wearing yoga pants. So there's no, it's all the same three styles that you would love to play with um, if all of that didn't matter. Yes. Um, so definitely first would be I have in real life a 1950s, early 1960s uh, like clothing collection that, like, I'm not just saying this, it's museum level. I, I have oh a lot God. of pieces. So Envious. <laughs> I, I dress like Betty Draper for like probably a full decade. Amazing. And the only reason that's I don't think I've ever said amazing more than I've said it today on this podcast. I'm like, I have got to come up with a better word. <laughs> Stupendous, sublime, superb. Expensive. Expensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um uh number two number two would be I've recently I've recently gotten into a lot of athleisure. I wasn't into athleisure before because I did not understand the point of spending like you know that much money on a pair of yoga pants but uh as i've gotten into my mid-30s i've really started to understand the benefit of it it's really great like so when people said jeans were the most comfortable things to wear they were lying no they had no idea what they were talking about and i understand that that's really boring but it's also just so simple (laughs) great you're not gonna get any complaints from me okay um and then, like, my final final look would probably be, let's go, this era isn't really, I feel like this era is not, like, appreciated that much, but I love sort of, like, the simplicity of 1930s clothing, sort of, uh, mm-hmm. like, within, sort of within that Depression era when people were really just, like, making things work. Um, I have some, yes. I have some clothes from that era as well, and sort of like the little like the tiny prints the uh like there's the looseness the the those buttons that like on some of the dresses that i get like you can tell that like these are not the original buttons we're moving things from place to place because we have to make do with what we have i really appreciate that era of clothing could as well. not agree more could not agree more i can't tell you the amount of like 30s aprons that i'm like can this just be a suit yes <laughs> can i have a suit made out of this <laughs> fantastic okay All right. Uh, Give me a word that helps describe the experience that you had this last weekend at the alumni uh, weekend. Um, Complicated. Mm -hmm. That's a very long word. So you've complicated my mash. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, I'm happy. I'm I'm excited about it. That means I really don't know what's going to happen. Any outcome. If you'd given me a six letter word, I would have had a sense of where you're going to end up. This is anyone's game. Oh, I forgot. We're counting. It's been so long since middle school. So, uh, and also I feel like this is just a weird addition that I've done that's strange. Um, but okay, so I'm going to do this. I would love for you to uh, wrap around. You can do some vamping if you'd like. Uh, uh, we can also cut straight to the chase in the edit where uh, suddenly I'm giving you all these answers. But this is a perfect time for you to tell people where to find the book. Tell them what the book's called because it's possible we actually we, never said the title of I'm, the book. Can I tell you that like I am so bad at this. Like every time I'm on a- I am so bad at this. I truly, I guest hosted um, one of the shows on my network the other day keep it it's one of our biggest shows did i drop the name of my book which is admissions a memoir of surviving boarding school it's by myself 
Kendra James. I never said that the whole episode. Didn't say it once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. that is the name of the book. It's called Admissions for short. And um, it's at any place where you can buy books. And also, like you said earlier, so kindly, there is an audiobook as well, if that's um, more your vibe. And I like to call it, I think it's fun because it takes place between the years 2003 and 2006. And it is very much at this point, I'm sorry, I don't want to like, not, not trying to kill you, but it is at this point a period piece. Um, and Ooh. yeah, yes. Um, and But I think that's really fun because it really deals a lot with like early internet pop culture from that era. And if you- Great point, great yeah. point. And if you were a teen at that point, I think there's just like a lot of really good, really fun things to sort of reminisce on. But even if you weren't a teen, if you're, uh, I don't know, a, a Gen Xer or a Gen Zer, like I feel like there's still stuff in there that you're going to relate to. Um, it's been especially nice to actually hear from Gen Z folks because it really does touch on a lot of the stuff that I feel like a lot of that generation cares so much about right now. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, and so it's it's been it's been fun to get it out there and the response has been nice. And um, I also look forward to never having to write a memoir again because <laughs> it's very draining. <laughs> you have a long time to live. Yes. You may have to write a volume two. Okay. Love all of that. Very excited about this. I mean, there there's a lot going on here. Oh no. <laughs> We're all over the place. I think it's great. Uh, Sometimes it feels like there's a through line. I don't immediately <laughs> see what that is here, okay. which I love because it's a real hodgepodge. Um, first of all, I want to congratulate you for your ability to hop on into Dogma. We got the movie back. And in fact, you got it back in such a way that you can jump into the world and just be there living in that uh, that marvelous film forever or for a moment, whatever you want. Uh, you also can bop over to your house in Charleston. Oh, nice. Whenever you so desire. Kind of fantastic. I do feel like if you wanted to rock, we're going to enhance even more 50s and 60s clothes, uh, give you a, an astonishing collection. I can only assume there will be at least one room that's just a closet full of those clothes, <gasps> immaculately preserved, but yet at the comfort level of athleisure. Uh, you have, I feel like you could, you could, you're going to rock that in Charleston, whether or not uh, we do the magic where it's hip. Like that, people that's... would be like, I appreciate that you've dressed for this occasion. <laughs> um, fabulous. Uh, you can also jump into the world of the biography of Jesse James. So big, big cool. turn there. Quick turn there. Jumping in, getting something totally different in your life. Um, as if that weren't enough, I want you to enjoy your time working on that Disney cruise on the ice rink. There you are. I mean, there's just a lot, again, a lot happening, a lot of diverse uh, interests happening here. I think it's fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh, guess what? Guess who loves Getting out on that ice with you, making some surprise appearances on the cruise, your best friend Gene Kelly. You guys that would be great. hanging out, right? You guys he choreographed you choreographed together some kind of amazing, like funny facey <gasps> maybe you're wearing fifties, sixties clothes yeah. on the ice on the cruise. I mean he's also he uh Dancing, he roller skates and dances. So like we can See? make something. Oh, work. he's gonna be fine. Yeah. yeah. This is gonna be amazing. Okay. This now I'm seeing it's all threading together now. <laughs> now we're seeing the tapestry. It's happening. Um, 
perhaps, uh, uh, you know, listen, I don't, I don't know if she's going to end up on the cruise with you. She's, she's a got a lot going on, and B it might be a little overwhelming. But certainly, uh, Beyonce is another fantastic friend, just totally awesome. I guess I said that you and Gene Kelly would end up in like a removed spot in a purgatory. Mm-hmm. I'm removing that. That is, I've nixed that. That is not happening. <laughs> um, I'm very crushed that you didn't get Endora. I feel very bad for uh, Beyonce that I am ruining that, but. No, it's in the cards. It's it's, it's right because Endora would do excellently on a cruise ship. That's that feels like her environ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what can I tell you? Um, and then <laughs> I think I've covered everything except that I want you to rest assured that if I could name one of these people who I thought would somehow seamlessly make it work in any of these extremely different worlds. You know it's Jeff Goldblum from The Lost World. <laughs> you know he's going to be tickled pink by any of these adventures that you choose to take him on. Yes. He's going to go with it, roll with it, and rock it. <laughs> so that feels very fortuitous and serendipitous. Like, you, I feel you have the perfect companion for this eclectic of a life. Am I wrong? Uh, no, that's perfect. He's, like, he's it's taking perfect. over that piano, um, like, yeah. in the middle of the cruise ship. I, I can see it now. Yes, he is. <laughs> damn right he is uh okay kendra this has been such a pleasure and a joy as i knew it would be i'm so glad i hope we get to work on something more together um i just think the world of you and i hope everyone uh checks out the book and any other various and sundry things when you see kendra's name pop up you know you want to check it out uh thank you so much for doing this oh no thank you um and also thank you i'll do one more plug thank you for coming on the show that i executive produce love it or leave it can't wait i'm so nervous i'm so excited (laughs) i can't wait um yeah that's gonna be very 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 fun and i'm very honored to be asked so that's gonna be amazing and uh have a great trip in london thank you thank you and everybody else i'll talk to you next time on the podcast a lot of sing song happening here The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, number one, we could save kittens from trees. Or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should. Someplace new and build time machines to go and get us back. Maximumfun.org Comedy and Culture Artist Owned Audience supported.